You are listening to the Drew and Dan Podcast Network. The following is brought to you by the Expatriate Breakfast Burrito. Welcome to the Drew and Dan Podcast Experience. Recording in progress. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, how y'all doing? It's the Drew and Dan show, but today it's a little different because the Drew and Dan podcast has a takeover happening right now. And (laughs) we have a special guest co-host coming at you. Brandon Cavender is live in studio. So it's the Drew and Brandon podcast for today only as Dan has some, uh, I guess he's just too busy for the pod these days, Brandon. That's kind of messed up, actually, when you think about it. You know, I've been clamoring to get on this thing for quite some while. I've been wanting to reach the tens of Drew and Dan fans out there. (laughs) Okay, first of all, there are thousands. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually the reason why Dan didn't want to miss a week of NBA content being pushed on the pod because we got a big bump uh, on our last pod. Creative director Jordan Chesbro launched it out to millions of people in the greater PDX area. Got picked up by some local news media types. A lot of traction, a lot of buzz, a lot of views, a lot of downloads. Just so you know, Brent, there's a lot of eyes on you right now. And by eyes, it's ears on me. Ears on me. (laughs) Yeah. By eyes, I mean ears. Because uh, this is audio only. But uh, welcome. I'm just glad we could put to work the social influencing power of Jordan Chesbro. Jordan, (laughs) shout out to you. Oh, yeah. Great. Always a great friend of the pod and a great friend of ours as well. Um, Little context. So we're going to talk MBA. Brandon is an expert on all things MBA. He loves to get into the nitty gritty of contracts and and trades and things of that nature. He, um, you know, he's deep into that world. And Brandon and I have known each other since we were literally children. I mean, we go back to elementary school. This is true. Uh, growing up in the Bay Area, we are both massive Warriors fans. So today we are going to nerd out on all things Warriors. Uh, so sorry, Dan, and your and your Laker fandom, you don't get to temper um, this NBA Finals experience for us because the Warriors are doing a good job tempering the experience for us. The performance last night, Brandon, I am in a glass case of emotion. You know that the fact that I'm even talking about it less than 24 hours after a game like that means I'm making progress because normally it takes me a long time to process what I've just seen when they play that badly. Your thoughts? Usually your phone just goes on silence after a loss, (laughs) except for a whole bunch of memes and random stuff. You never respond to my actual text. Hey, I'd like to come visit you sometime. No response. I just get I just get hurt. I get shocked. I get angry. Brandon, I was uh, I was sad. I was taken. I was aghast. I was I was caught off guard. I mean, let's just start with uh, a couple of Warriors fans watching, you know, talking to Warriors after an incredibly just bad loss, wire to wire, a bad loss. I mean, what are your just initial high level thoughts before we dive in, uh, dive in deep to just the shellacking the Warriors took in game three? uh, And now they're chasing again. So they lost game one. We're chasing, (laughs) tied it up. Now they're chasing again, down two one. Your thoughts. Well, let me ask you this. I, I have two questions. The first is, what are your ex- expectations going into the game? You know, 
there was a huge shift in intensity for game two, where they came out very intentional. They played, they came out very aggressive and there was an, there was just effort and intensity um, that happened. They obviously took the loss in game one personally, I guess the collapse in the fourth quarter, they thought they were better than that. And they came out and uh, really took it to the Celtics right off the bat in game two. So I was hoping um, being champs, being an older team, um, or, you know, past champs, I should say, um, but they would just bring that, they, they would just keep that focus and intensity up, I guess. And it's just like, okay, oh, that's how we should play. <laughs> and yeah. instead it was like, it reversed. And Boston was like, oh, you thought that was intense? Now this is intensity. And they, I mean, they brought it from the, from the jump. They played fast. So my other question I was going to ask you was, so they went one and one uh, in the series in Oakland, or I'm sorry, I said Oakland, they're in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, if they had won game one and lost game two, would your feelings going into game three been different? You know, it, it, <laughs> I, again, uh, I said this on the last pod, so I won't belabor the point, but I'm just a little bit caught off guard by how good Boston is. And I was, I was suckered, I think, by how easily the Warriors breezed through the Western Conference and how much Boston struggled in the Eastern Conference. Like, I don't, Miami, this sounds weird because Miami was the number one seed, but they didn't look that good. They all looked really yeah. broken down and a little bit slow. And uh, Kyle Lowry is large. And, and it's kind of like, if Miami took this team to seven. How good can they really be? And the team that I'm watching, I'm like, how did Miami take this team to seven? I mean, they are fast and they are good. And I, again, on the last pod, I, I don't see a weakness in Boston. I really don't. When they're clicking, uh, they click on all levels. I, I think the answer is when they're clicking, I think Boston at their best can beat Golden State at their best, at least right now in these current constructs. The current uh, Golden State lineup uh, where, yeah, Kevon Looney has to be an all-world level post, and outside of him, they don't have another post. Yeah, and assume that you're going to get very limited uh, productivity out of the their, their young young core. Um, Bielitsa will do Bielitsa things, which means that he'll be useful for a couple minutes and then become a liability on defense. I just, it, it based on these couple games, if they are at their best, I think Boston is probably the better team. Uh, the problem I've seen in Boston so far is they're remarkably inconsistent from game to game. I think that's what we saw in uh, the Miami series is there would be one game where they look like absolute world beaters. And then the next game, someone like Tatum would disappear and wouldn't, wouldn't have the same level of performance. Yeah. He's been very good so far uh, in the series. Uh, Brown was excellent in in the game last night especially in the first half really came out aggressive took the Draymond challenge personally clearly and uh just went straight at the rim it was really impressive but uh I the weakness I see in Boston so far and it was really exposed in game two is they don't take good care of the ball and partly because they don't have a lot of great ball handlers outside of Tatum who his handle's pretty good it's not elite level for for a small forward and, uh, you know, their other ball, primary ball hitter would be Marcus Smart. Um, he's decent, but that, that would be the weakness that if I was trying to exploit the, the team somehow, if you get them into turnovers, get them into kind of fast decision-making, uh, th that, that is an, an area that you can 
can win games. But so so far, at least last night, uh, Golden State didn't keep up the same defensive intensity they had in game two. No, not at all. And uh, so defensively, I mean, Jalen Brown first half, especially like you mentioned, was just an absolute blow by. I mean, Draymond, yeah. Clayton didn't matter. It was blowing by everybody, both directions, both. I mean, in the Miami series. Jalen Brown couldn't even dribble half the time. He was turning the ball over, traveling, yep. losing the ball. He was it was a circus. And then last night he was an absolute blow by. Who and the, and they were spreading the Warriors out really well. The Warriors were like there was no uh, defense at the rim. There was no backup protection. So they got spread up and cut up. Um, it didn't really matter who was guarding you. And then in the second half, Tatum was doing the blow. It was like and then mm-hmm. when they drive and kick, Marcus Smart was hitting from the outside, and so it was like. Okay, we're in big trouble. (laughs) Yeah, and they went back to some of the problematic habits they had in game one and really that they've had throughout the entire season. I believe they they were one of the lowest ranked teams in terms of giving up open threes. Uh, They have a great defense overall, but that was was a huge problem. And Boston's been able to exploit it in the two games they've won. Uh, There's several plays last night where as they've done all year, they overhelp on defense. So if somebody slips by the primary defender, uh, rather than just rely on, on Looney in, inside and on the interior, you, I, you would see both Steph and Clay simultaneously going off their man towards right. Tatum. And all of a sudden, Tatum's being triple teamed. Tatum's really good. I do not think he deserves a triple team in the same way that Steph might deserve a triple team. But also, that leaves open... Uh, three-point shooters for for Boston. And I was looking at their uh, series stats so far for people that have shot at least three attempts per game. There are five guys shooting over 40% uh, for the the playoffs so far. So this is something you cannot give up if you want to win the series. Yeah. And, you know, just to go along with the defense that they were, uh, you know, certainly lacking defensively, um, I'm not the kind of guy who typically says the refs were bad. I mean, I say the refs were bad, but everyone whose team loses say the refs were bad, right? But that's like the this refs, true. Oh, the refs were against us. Whoever, whatever team loses, everyone's mad at the refs. But, but and there's my Stephen A. moment, right? I'm not that guy. But putting Steph in that level of foul trouble early, especially when a couple of those fouls were very, very questionable and and should have been challenged and might have been overturned, except they didn't want to use their challenge that early. But that they should they, have challenged foul three, yeah, for sure. That, that puts Steph in a situation where he can't defend normally, right? He can't. So he got hunt though. There's one you know series where Boston scored on him five times in a row. Yep. And, and last year or last game, game two, Steph was like an all world defensive player. And now it's like, Oh, what did Steph lose that power? Also, he's bad at defense. No, he just couldn't put his hands in there. He couldn't hand yeah. check. He couldn't risk touching anybody or he's going to get another foul call on him. So they left him out there because of his offense. They were, they needed buckets, but he couldn't play deep. So Boston is basically playing offense five on four. Their offense is already incredible. Steph can't yep. reach in to do anything, and they hunt him, and they hunt him, and they hunt him. Great coaching, not mad about it. But uh, I'm just saying he also foul- took. He was also st- continued to be careless after he was on foul three or foul four. I watched several plays where he overplayed the the shot. He almost came down on somebody as they were going up for right. a three point shot. He. He reached on a couple of plays when he shouldn't have reached. He was actually very lucky to only have uh, four fouls for the majority of the game yeah. uh, because he took too many chances. I mean, he yeah. he's this is why he's been good at defense. He takes risks uh, in order to generate steals and, and turnovers. But last night, 
it it caught him because you, you can't play the same way once you have that many yeah, fouls. Yeah, and, and you just knew the later the game went on and the more they were going to need him, those fouls were going to actually matter. And he was, you know, he wasn't going to be able to contribute in that way. So, you know, in that way, I think the officiating really hurt him because then you look at Marcus Smart and how he plays defense, you know, mugging and clubbing and hand checking and, you know, just smashing his body into people. Um, and, you know, and I don't have a problem with that as long as both sides can do it, you know? And so I think that that hurt them in terms of, um, of the roughing and, uh, you know, so just a little context, so a little context, a little more context, I should say, Brandon and I differ. We both love the warriors. We both grew up watching the warriors. We differ in our view of the warriors personnel wise, a little bit where Brandon, uh, <laughs> loves Steve Kerr, or at least appreciates Steve Kerr. I don't know if love might be a little strong. I don't know. You like Steve Kerr. You're a Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr. You support Steve Kerr. I uh, can't stand Steve Kerr. He drives me absolutely insane. Brandon loves <laughs> Jordan Poole. Um, Jordan Poole stan. Jordan Poole drives me insane. I have a schizophrenic relationship with him. I think he's an, also a spaz and a circus. I mean, I was an early fan on Jordan Poole, too. I remember being in Portland a couple of years ago being like, I think Poole's going to be good. And, and you were like, I don't know question mark and, yeah. and you know I, I i think he's yeah he still has a lot of a lot to, of of growth to do particularly on defense where he is uh quite a matador but yeah. uh <laughs> but he's he's a really dynamic offensive player he needs to work on tightening up that handle a little bit and not he, falling on his face every not, five seconds hashtag pool falls down <laughs> so, and Brandon also uh, is a big fan of James Wiseman and thinks Wiseman has a bright future. I think James Wiseman is Greg Oden, and I didn't even want him drafted before they drafted him. I was out on Wiseman since I saw him play in Portland. I don't know if uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of James Wiseman. I think he's got interesting potential. I big think he's fan a fan, big Jim. <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. Um, I think so, he has potential upside, but uh, it's he has to be able to actually be on the court. So it's a big question mark for me. All, all, all that to say, we we view the team a little differently. And I think it's easy. We can both agree last night that Draymond was bad. and we He was might, very bad. We might differ on how we think Kerr did in the game. I think Kerr made some big errors. The biggest one being pulling Steph at the end of the third um, in the middle of the run that brought them back. I just don't, I didn't understand it then. Don't understand it now. It doesn't make sense to me. Steph is your bread and butter. Um, he needs to be on the floor, especially in that moment where he literally came storming. He led them storming back. And then like three minutes left, they're like, yeah, why don't we sit him? Hey guy, you want to have a seat? Hey, come sit over here by me. And let me tell you some stuff. And then Steph came out uh, in the fourth ice cold. Thanks Steve. Way to cool him down. Um, but that's always an interesting one. And I'm, I'm curious about, I'd I'd be interested to hear kind of what his thought process was on that. I I feel like one of the differences between the way I think that we watched, we've watched the whole season together. We've communicated about the season together. I think Steve Kerr, maybe to a fault is always thinking about the long-term of the season. I think he's thinking about the long-term of the series. Um, I, if, if you, got him into a room later in, in the day and asked him about it, I would venture to say he was banking on the fact that he knew that there was one day of rest between, uh, between games. It's the only, it's the shortest time between the games uh, of every single uh, finals game of the season. He knew that uh, he was going to have to maybe ride stuff a bit more later as the series goes on. Um, and 
is that, ask the question, what is this three minutes worth in the more long-term context of the season? The answer might be the, play, the, the finals. So, right. you know, yeah. that might, might be the answer. Him, might have cost them, cost them the game, I think. Well, no, it for sure cost them the game because they... I think the first quarter cost them the game, personally. But, but but they battled back and took the lead in that moment. And that's when they, they did, the but it out. took so much effort and so much work to battle back. I think they were gassed by the end of it. I yes, I totally agree. Maybe we agree to disagree on this point. I think the game. I don't agree to disagree. I think the game for me was over when they pulled Steph in that moment. I think Steph on the court in that doing Steph things when he was feeling when he locks in right because he's streaky. All shooters are when he yep. locks in. You ride the heat. You know, you ride the heat. You ride the heat. That's what you do. That's that's what I would do. I mean, it's a game of momentum. It's a game of runs. And that was the run. Why kill the run right then and there? I mean, so, I mean, we'll never know. It happened. But here's my problem, right? This this is why I think the Warriors are in trouble. And obviously, you know me for my whole life. I always think the Warriors are in trouble, right? I always, like, (laughs) the sky is always falling. But here's why the sky is falling. Here's why I'm in a glass case of emotion, right? Tell me. Because... You know, they're you, they're being described in the media, their performance as listless, lacking energy, you know, lacking intensity. And the solutions I see being batted around are, well, I think it's time for Kaminga and Moody. Now, <laughs> I like Kaminga and Moody, right? I get it. Yeah, bring in the young. But if your um, chances of winning the finals against that Boston team hinge on Kaminga and Moody, you're in big trouble because they're fine. They're great. They're going to be really good, but they're just kids. They have no experience. Maybe they're dumb enough to come in and not realize it and really help. But if you're like, well, we got to match this energy. Let's bring in Kaminga and Moody. I'm like, oh boy. My, that's my thought is we are in big, big trouble. If that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if the answer is, is energy, I think they're in trouble overall. I, I, I don't think you, you can ask, well, you can ask him more, Draymond. He, he's he's been up and down energy wise. I don't know what more energy you can ask for from from Steph, even even Clay. I mean, he he puts in the energy. Uh, I I was I was happy to see him shoot well last night. I I said a couple of days ago I thought he would shoot better away from Oracle because I think he tries he's trying to feed it off the crowd in Oracle and wants to get going so desperately in front of them as opposed to last night he took shots in rhythm. He just took the open shots that were, were yeah. there for him as opposed to – I haven't looked at the numbers. I'm sure he dribbled half the amount of time uh, last night as he did in the, in, you know, the previous couple games. Um, but, yeah, I agree. If, I, don't, I don't think energy is, is, is going to be your, your answer, especially if you're wanting it from Kaminga and Moody. I, I think the, it's going to be tough for them. You really – Steph has to continue playing great. You need to – uh, get at least 18 points per game out of pool going forward. He's been really disappointing so far. I think you need to get at least uh, close to that amount from clay and then hope that you, you get some productivity from the role players. Uh, but on top, uh, on top of that, I don't think that you're going to uh, win this game by assuming you're going to be able to outscore Boston. You have to out defend them, which they're capable of doing if they play perfectly. But that has to do with, making sure that you do not leave the corner threes open. You cannot give up the open threes that that's destroyed them in the, the last couple of games. I, I thought that they went away from some of the things that were working defensively 
which is not overhelping in game two. They went back to it in game three, uh, and you can't afford to have those those uh, those uh, mental lapses. It, it, no. it costs costs too big, and they're not talented enough as a roster, at least in terms of talent that's ready for for this level of a stage, uh, top to bottom, uh, to just to out- win outright. So that that's my thoughts. So here's what uh, something else that worried me from last night. It was the yeah. e- the ease that which Boston seemed to score. Right, everything seemed to come so easy for them on offense. Whether it was uh, blow by and score, whether it was blow by get fouled and score, whether it was drive and kick and bury a three, whether it was lob to Robert Williams to just go up and crush it with two hands. Like everything came so easily when they did score. Yep. To counter that the Warriors struggled it seemed like they struggled for every basket they got they had to work so hard for it Um, and every possession seemed to matter and every failed possession seemed to just pile up and add up and add pressure so we on one hand you have Boston just going downhill scoring with ease and then the Warriors seem to battle and have to grind and scrap and fight for everything they got and part of that is Brandon some of these guys uh don't really seem to warriors don't seem to know their role offensively. And it's starting to drive me crazy because these are actually bad possessions. They're, they're having bad possessions offensively and not just with the turnovers. Cause and Steph's not off the hook on the turnovers either. He made a couple of very bad ones in the fourth quarter that really hurt. Um, but the turnovers are bad, but the, some of these guys need to understand a long jumper if you're not Steph or Clay, a long jumper that misses and you don't get the rebound is a turnover. That's like coming That's down true. and handing the ball to the other team, right? That's essentially what they're doing. And if you're not Steph or Clay and you're shooting the jumper, that's who they want shooting the jumper, right? Because I think that's true within the first 18 seconds of the shot clock. And this is something that I saw multiple times last night is Boston was able to take away the first good shot and the second good shot and third good shot. And then you have to pass the ball a fourth time and there's three seconds left on the shot clock and you just have to shoot it, which when the third, the first three options are taken away, that's going to a non-shooter. And I, that's where you're stuck. stuck yes. With. I, I agree with that. So if you got to shoot it, you got to shoot it. Sure. And that happened quite a bit last night, but I'm talking when Wiggins gets an outside look at a three and lets it fly or, you know, some of these other guys, you know, if Draymond shoots a three and he got in game two, Draymond didn't shoot a jumper. I watched, I was waiting, no jumpers, just attack the basket. Right. And then back to get game three rolls around. We got Draymond popping jumper. You know, we got Wiggins shooting jumper. It's when these guys miss their jumpers and, and they had, it was, they were one and done. That's a turnover. And then Wiggins, the one three he made, it literally rattled, hit iron like eight times before dropping through. And that's going to, it, it, it's, Wiggins has a, a strength on this team and it's just, just driving and just crushing it. Right. I mean, he's, he can attack the rim. I wish he was a better free throw shooter because Wiggins is driving, attacking, getting fouled. You know, Warriors were not shooting free throws outside, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, they were just really, really struggling. They weren't attacking the basket when you're, when you're shooting the ball that poorly, you got to attack the rim. You got to get to the free throw line. You got to just stop the game and get your free throws going. They didn't do that very well. Um, and the Warriors just had so many bad offensive possessions, one after another, after another. And Boston on offense, it was just, they were, they were flying. And so, so let yeah, me ask you this. How do you attack the rim 
when you have a cyborg named Robert Williams who limps up the court on one possession and then leaps out of the building to recover uh, on uh, a, a driving kick to block block an open shot. I saw him block a three last night and then block a dunk within the same possession. It, yeah. It's it's re- and then but then he basically limped the way back up the court on offense. Uh, I I literally think he's like popping his knee back in its socket yeah. every other possession. I don't even know that if that's how the knee works, but that's what yeah. it seems like he's doing. And it's remarkable, <laughs> but there are no shots at the rim. Uh, those easy, you know, the, the bunnies, the, the, um, the floaters, they're all difficult. They're yeah. able to change the shot, the natural mechanics, the, the, so what's left is I'll see if I can set up a, a, a screen for Steph to get an open three, which has worked out so well so far, but not well enough. Yeah, he is a man on a mission. He is playing really well. It's actually uh, very admirable what he is doing. And when, you know, last series they were talking like he might not even come back. Uh, yeah. I mean, he missed a lot of games. I mean, he, it was it was a for real injury. And um, he's a torn meniscus. Yeah. Why has been sad the entire season with a torn meniscus? <laughs> so, I mean, that, that just brings up the fact that, you know, this Boston team, they're very hungry. They're very confident. They want this title bad. Horford is dying for this title. You can see how he's playing. I mean, these young guys are hungry and they're like, man, we can get this right now. I mean, they're not intimidated. I mean, you get, and then you, so you got rock, you know, Williams going out doing just warrior things, you know, uh, no pun intended. I mean, it's incredible how he's playing. And, you know, to your question, how do you get shots? I mean, Wiggins, you can't challenge him directly. That's for sure. Wiggins has found that out the hard way because he's challenged him directly like 10 times and gotten tossed every time. Um, but I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta attack the basket on his side and, you know, slip the screen on the other side and come in and, and just try to use the room to protect the ball. You got to pump fake, get another defender in the air and go up into his numbers. I mean, you got to somehow get fouled to get to the free throw line without letting Williams just throw the ball into the third deck, which he keeps doing over and over again. He's, I mean, he's putting on a defensive clinic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch the rest of the series. Um, I expect this to go, at least six games, probably seven, um, because I, I do expect Golden State to win tomorrow and come back to uh, San Francisco at a two and two uh, split. And you know, if you if you've kept tabs on Boston's throughout the the playoffs, composure is a problem, especially as the games get tight and especially as the uh, the ability to close out. I mean, they almost they almost unraveled in the final uh, couple of minutes of Game Seven against Miami. Uh, they have struggled at times to uh, keep it together in crunch time. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart will be the only one on the floor who's willing to take the the uh, the shot they really need to take. But he's often the person you don't want taking that shot. There's the decision making gets a little bit tighter. That might be something that the Warriors can exploit. Uh, but it's it's a big question mark right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hope you're right, Brandon. I, <laughs> I want this to go six or seven because it means the Warriors are going to win some games and have a shot at this, but yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'll have, I'm going to have to wait and see what Warriors team comes out um, on Friday for this next game. Uh, because yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that Steph is hurt. I mean, he's, he's the man, true. The man is injured. He's hobbled. And for, for a jump shooter, 
you know, your base matters, you know, your, your ankle matters. And as a jump shooter, I do understand that your base matters. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a big problem uh, for a guy who you need. I mean, you need him to go for 30 plus. I mean, you need him to be all, you need to be hitting, you need him for a lot of reasons. And, you know, we don't know the extent of his injury. They're going to just, they're basically saying, yeah, he's going to play. They're probably going to shoot him full of cortisone. And, uh, I mean, we'll know what stuff we see. He's been very consistent so far this postseason, and we'll we'll know how if he's feeling it. I think, and so um, yeah, it's a good sign that he they didn't take him out of the game until the game was basically lost. He actually continued to play. Um, he wasn't uh, in in a walking boot or anything last night. They didn't even need to do an MRI, which tells me that I mean, Steph has had enough injuries to. Uh, to his feet, to his ankles, to know uh, where his body's at. Um, if they needed to do an MRI, they would have done an MRI. So that's that tells me that it's probably an aggr- aggr- aggravation of the injury that he that he previously had, but it's obviously not as, as severe. But I mean, something like shooting, every little bit of your mechanics matters. And so, you know, if if he, he's a little bit off, it may take a little bit of his accuracy away. And yeah, if, right. when every point matters in this, this particular playoffs, I mean, I was looking at the, the point differential total so far for three games is two points, right? Or sorry, three points. It's one Oh five to one Oh eight in terms of like the average, average point totals. So, you know, take away another three points. Yeah, that's we've got a problem. It matters. So, Man, Brandon, our, our clock is winding down. I can see it counting down. But um, so you think this is going six or seven? You think the Warriors win on Friday? Um, man, I, all I can say is I hope you're right. Um, uh, you know, Bob Haralabob is I think picked Boston to win the next two. I mean, one well, the next. Oh wow! Two, including sorry, including last night, he picked uh, last oh, okay. night and Friday to be Boston to win. So it would basically be three one heading back to San Francisco. Um, so that's interesting. Um, that would not be good. I, I told you when the series started, I thought the team that won two games straight was going to be the one that won yeah. one series. So yeah. Golden State obviously has to win two straight in order to be in it at all. But uh, I thought that would be the the kind of the bellwether here. So we'll see. We will see. Anyway, Brandon, thanks so much for giving us the uh, the, the time, jumping on, keeping the podcast um full speed ahead uh right in the middle of the nba finals so it's, it's shout out to dan for uh for, for the, the bat signal today <laughs> put out the bat signal he said the content must keep flowing we need brandon's brain and brandon you've actually um haven't been clamoring as much to be on the nba pod as you've been clamoring to be on the bachelorette pod especially bachelor in paradise which is your all-time favorite show um it's the greatest comedy on television so we will we will definitely have you back um and you can talk about your feelings for gabby who uh is going to be on this next season and unfortunately you didn't get your application in time to to woo fair gabby i'm banking on the season not working out and somebody being there with flowers at the end (laughs) and that's somebody being me (laughs) well maybe with one of those radios playing uh playing in your eyes i i hope that (laughs) I, I I think I this is bullet dodge. That's all I have to say. Bullet dodge. <laughs> I think uh, steer clear, big tuna is my only my only thoughts on that. But uh, maybe I I'll see my team after after her show. So. <laughs> 
Brandon, that's awesome, man. Thanks for being on. Great thoughts. Go Warriors. Um, you know, you you are a much more optimistic Warriors fan than I am. And so it's always good for you to come and balance the scale. I just have a generally sunnier disposition. So I'm glad I could be here to counterbalance the rain. Despite the fact that you live in a place where it's 110 degrees out. But yes, man, do you bring that Portland energy. <laughs> when you've seen what I've seen when it comes to the Warriors, you would see. Thanks, Brandon. We've both seen it. We've both seen it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Trust what's that? Us what's that? Yeah. I'm married to the gang. Don't be playing games. Only bringing flowers to the homies' grave. She say she in love. What's that? Trust what's that? Us what's that? Yeah. I'm married to the money. Don't be playing games. Only bringing flowers to the homies' grave. Red Ferrari seats. All my homies let out on these streets. Makeup on my sheets. Makeup sex. Stress. Hope she leave. Reaching for my keys. She like, where you going? Stay with me. Hate to see a bed. She don't want me dead. Posted on the block. Winter swore. Ain't no warning shots. Bullet.